Gone Off on a Tangent is brought to you by the following sponsors. Active Arena, Lincoln's first indoor five-a-side football venue with a dedicated sports bar. Small Beer Limited, Britain's leading cask wholesaler. Clavering's removal storage and clearance. Big Boots UK, leading online retailer of steel blue boots. Check out our socials for all the information. Hello and welcome to Whatever Floats Your Goat, this Gone Off on a Tangent special with me, Adam Stocks, him, Carl Stubbs. Hello there. And him, Dan Taylor. Good evening. This week is our Academy special and we're delighted to say that Andy McGill is here, who is Carl's ex-Academy coach that we talked about in a previous episode. Welcome, Andy. Thank you very much. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining. Absolute pleasure. How's that cup of tea I made you? Is it good? Eventually. Best you've ever had? <laughs> Average at best. Uh, Similar to my football inabilities will probably (laughs) get described as in for the next hour. Why are you feeling going to get savaged? Uh, Well, there's a reason. There's going to be two things that's going to get savaged. My mum and... Okay. uh, Okay. uh, You brought it into it. Yeah. I Well, yeah. My my first question is, uh, were none of those sort of Lionel Messi growth hormone things available to Carl? Was that exclusive just for world-class talents? There was absolutely no way we were going to waste good resources. <laughs> <laughs> if, if we were going to invest in that, we'd have used it on Martin Pembleton, not, uh, not Stubbsy. Yeah, you're spending those valuable pennies on Lionel Messi, aren't you? When you have a look at him. <laughs> not this Herbert. <laughs> yeah. Is Pembo even still playing football? That's it. I reckon that might be a recurring theme for quite a lot of the players I, we I think, speak about. I think actually. he is still playing somewhere, yeah. Is he? Shortness is a curse, though, in it for footballers. You say that there's not many. Like uh, there is still. Sorry, that's exactly the opposite of what I meant to say. There is quite a few that have. <laughs> like, like, like you, Xavi, for example. Oh, there's some wonderful like, small footballers, but at the academy level, well, I'm sure we'll get into it. But goalkeeper-wise, so there isn't too many. No, like you, I think you need like to be Christy caught. Pim's probably one of the smallest about, isn't he? That's just a random stabbing that stab in the dark. There was a kid in our Leeds Academy called Chris Dawson. It was unbelievable. And his first game at the, so the championship level, and it was just so obvious that he wasn't going to make out the level because he was just getting battered. He was clearly a talented boy, come all the way through the system, but it was just stark. Is he playing now? He's playing, yeah, but in non-league, I think. He's, he's, he's done all right. I, I assume he makes a little bit of money in that. He was, he was a good player, like a little number 10. But, he, but the academy, you'd watch the, I watched quite a lot of the 23s and the 18s because I'm sad. And in them days, you had one like one him... Calvin Phillips, uh, Alex Mowat all coming through and a couple of others. And he was the, probably the most talented. And the other lads beefed up, bulked up. Obviously different positions, slightly different positions, but you could just tell he was, mm, I'm not sure. Just on levels of his sadness oh, we whilst we're on this. <laughs> on. So we've re- we uh, had some time away recently and I have never in my life sat with somebody at a table drinking who has celebrated their under 23 side <laughs> scoring. <laughs> Future 3-0. Pathetic. I'm going to be watching them in, in a year. Apparently you go season. watch them on a, like, a midweek. Yeah, I do, yeah. Take my daughters. Put them into football. Has it's, anyone got the number? Which team is in this This is the same bloke, i.e. me, who on my stag do took myself off for five minutes so I could watch the League Cup draw. Salford, if you're wondering. I think that's all right. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't mind the League Cup draw, but watching your under-23s is... That's what it's all about, mate. It's the future. Yeah. You might see it from a different side because that used to be your job, but well, <laughs> technically still is. But 
a little bit, yeah. But I, I don't know. I, I'm out of academy football now. So being out of it, I think I can reflect back upon it a bit more. So under 23s. Oh, you West Ham I love fan? it though. You West Ham fan, if I remembered that yeah. right. Correct, yeah. Great memory. Uh, is, have you ever watched West Ham under 23s on YouTube? YouTube or No, I've, I've seen some of the highlights on Twitter, but I've never I've never <laughs> logged in. I've I love never it. logged in for one of the games. So the night we were away, there was 10,000 Allen Road for it. Which is happening. No. Yeah, 10,000. Yeah. That's the support it gets. It's, we, we support our club. What can I say? All the levels. Uh, the eight, under 18s, three years ago, Old Trafford, there was uh, a thousand went. There's a lot of, of, there's a lot that, of single that, men in Leeds. That's a massive rivalry though, isn't it? True, is. but even so, it's under 18s game. <laughs> I mean, even the Ireland travel to that one. Fair play to But hey, it's, it's the future, isn't it? Got to see this tally. I don't want to be the guy that when a player suddenly comes through and he, he gets off the bench for whatever and go, oh, who's that then? I hate that. You gotta know that you gotta know these lads are. He was also wondering why his missus won't let him go play five side football somewhere. (laughs) I genuinely I can't quite put my finger on why. (laughs) I said to her, because Dan Dan plays, we we obviously record the regular show on a Monday and Dan goes off to play football. And I said to the missus, I said, uh, I might um Dan said, Do you want to come play five aside? Because I haven't done it for a while and I wouldn't mind getting back into it. She went, When? I was like, um, I I don't know. (laughs) You do the podcast Monday, uh, you got to lead on Tuesday. Blah, 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 work, blah, blah, blah. I'd be no then, love yet. That's <laughs> absolutely fine. That's, that's the sort of response I would get from my missus as well, but that comes after two snaps Achilles tendons and the, the mere mention of going back and having a game. You can't deal with the pain, can she? Oh, the, the sort of the looking after two kids on your own while somebody's laid up on the sofa, you unable bad to that, move. You were you? Twice. That yeah, is a bad one, though. hideous. That is, boys, you snap your Achilles. Yeah, so, hideous. That's bad. It's a bad yeah. one. Did it's it make a noise? Yes, both times. When, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a bad one. Yeah, brutal. That. I've seen that on a pitch. I can't remember who it was now. Brutal. But the 23s games, I take me, take me kids. And then... Um, Cheap as punishment. Well, it just, it just clears it. <laughs> For not so I'll say to the wife... You will put your toys away. <laughs> so, so I'll say to the wife, right. Put that dummy back on the 23s game. Well and right. I'm going with my dad. I'll take the two big ones, and then you've only got the little ones. Have three. you ever tried oh, like a naughty two. step or anything like that? Don't need that. to, mate. Cold, cold Tuesday night. Two, two, two hours, something. On, we're off to Stoke to watch the under 23s. What's even better is obviously uh, Freya, my middle one. She's been to, only ever been to Ellen Road for the 23s. My eldest, who's six now, she's been dragged to like uh, Geisley, Farsley. Put it this way. There's a reason why his eldest daughter is called Ella Rose and what it sounds just like. Oh my God. <laughs> you got that through. That's doing me. You managed to. <laughs> That's doing me, boss. How think... did you sell that one? Where do you think Cece came from as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there we are. Should we get into some meat and, and gravy? Yes, let's. So, um, your career, Andy. So, how did you get into the job uh, initially, into coaching? Probably off the back of my ex-youth team manager. So I left school 16. I got a YTS as it was back in the day. So I got a YTS at the football club, Lincoln. Um, and at the time, it was a guy called Ian White. I don't know whether he was there when you was there, Stubbs. Can I just guess? Right back. Me? Yeah. Right no. back. You've got no. the physique of a right back. No. <laughs> what were you? A bit Danny Mills. Centre mid. Back with the head. Yeah, <laughs> striker. Striker. Was yeah on the shoulder? Honestly, on the shoulder. Striker, striker, come right winger. Like a whippet. Oh, when when Stubbs was at the club, I could still play at the time. Yeah, a little bit. Joining training, decent. (laughs) 
I love it when the coach is joining training. Yeah. Definitely better than Stubbs was. <laughs> Not difficult. I think you well, I got a YTS. Yeah, oh, that's brutal. <gasps> this is why you were. Oh, I can't wait to <laughs> where this that's is going to go. First shot fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, literally, so, yes, in the youth when, setup. when I was in the youth setup, um, and probably in second year, I think it must have been, you, you do your, your first FA badge. Um, so, we all got, we all got carted off down to Mansfield. I think we did our FA badges. Um, and the the FA tutor was impressed with me as a coach, as a like 17, 18 year old. He thought I did really well. And he reported that back to my youth team manager. So when it was becoming apparent that I wasn't going to get a contract, my kind of youth team manager was sort of touting me up to try and get me involved in, in the academy. So I think probably it took a couple of years after leaving the football club, sort of same experience you, so, you sorry, talked what, about. what year were you YTS? I'm trying to put a... 96 to 98, I think it was. Is that Keith? Um, no. No, so it Is was the year. Paying? So the, the, my, my first year as a manager. So I, I signed under Sam Ellis and Frank Lord. Yeah. They were there for a few, few weeks, months. In come Steve Wicks, guy that lasted about 40 days. Um, I think like the shortest reign of any Lincoln manager. Then I think Nicky Platner took over on an interim basis for a little while until they got John Beck in. Um, so I think within the first four months of my scholarship, I probably had three managers. Chaos. Uh, utter chaos. And no, no, we, for progression. We, sure. we went from, so Sam Ellis, it felt like didn't have any kind of plan. It was a case of there's 11 people just, you know, just head out. We're playing 4-4-2, go out. See how you get on. Then we had Steve Wicks come in, who come in from, I think he, his background was Chelsea. And the first thing he did was he made the pitch as wide as it could be by regulations, as long as it could be. And it was absolute total football. Back three. It, it was, Hoddle was popular at the time. We're playing a back three. So we went back three, absolute playing out from the back. Absolute carnage. Got tonked maybe 4-0 every game. <laughs> But his football principles were there. Oh, it would not, not deviate, matters. would not deviate away from the principles at all. So he lasted 40 odd days or something like that. And then in comes John Beck. First thing he does is... Polar opposite. What, yeah, yeah. What, what yeah. is the pitch doing that wide? First thing is linesman... Uh, sorry, they've got to bring the, bring the lines in. So that's it. So as narrow as we can go. Sand in the As corners. short as we can go. Water the shit out the, just outside the 18-yard box. The, the ball stops. Yep, yeah, the pitch was too good. So they trained on it every day and hammered the <laughs> fuck out of it. <laughs> The pitch was too good. Brilliant. Literally, the surface was too good so that they hammered the fuck out of it in terms of just ripped it up. Sand in the corners. Yeah, everything you hear and All read about is basically true. Brown dressing but rooms. A, a good mate of mine who's good leads with us, he's, he's, he's retired now, but he, um, from Leeds as well, actually, he was, well, he was the kit man at Lincoln City for years. But before that, he was like, just used to help out and stuff. And he used to film your games. Yeah. And he, he talks about John Beck all the time. He says he was just an absolute shitter to film. Camera up and camera down into the channel. <laughs> that's yeah. Camera up, camera down to the channel. And he did a man. He knew what he wanted. He absolutely, he knew what he wanted, but every single player on that team knew what he wanted. Everyone mm. knew their roles and responsibilities. He, I think he was Honey's dad. I think he put Honey on one day as a sub. Five minutes later, he, he brought him off because he took a touch and rolled it to the fullback rather than put it in a corner. And he did the same with Jay Minette a few months later. 
you knew what you had to do. Who do you think that you suited? Which style of player do you think you stu- suited more as a player, as a YTS? Oh, great question, Stubbs. Um, I was just totally adaptable as a player. <laughs> just like, <laughs> it's not a problem. It just, like, if you're a player, you just adapt, <laughs> don't you? And that's why you sat here. <laughs> I, had a, I had a theory about my own playing career, Andy. Um, I've, I've, I've said many times over a beer that I was born in the wrong country, me. If I'd been born in, in Italy, I, I, I'd have made it right to the top. I'm, t- I'm, I'm, t- I'm too slow for English football. I'm a nice, calm, just to play behind two big, lumpy centre-halves and I'll yep. sweep stuff up, spraying balls. Honestly, born in the wrong, wrong country. Another goalkeeper? No, no, no. Anywhere. Just, just anywhere. <laughs> anywhere, Gaffer. Just anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, no, take me, please. Just, just anywhere. Captain, obviously. It's got good height, Leader. shape, size. Leader. Decent. This guy. Leader. Could you possibly Voice. ever envisage anyone looking any less Italian? <laughs> Well, obviously, that's what I'm saying. If I'd been born there with a different gene pool. So the, my whole stag do, when I came out with this nonsense about being Italian, I got called Baresi for the whole stag do, which is such a drunken dick. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you did your coaching badges. Yeah, so we did, we did, uh, did the first coaching badge and then I got released, took it badly like uh, I think most people do. Um, didn't really How know. did that get broke to you? Um, so, badly. Actually, um, it was a bit of a shambles. So Ian White kept speaking to the gaffer um, and trying to get an answer. So there was eight or nine of us probably that were up for renewal. Um, and in the end, he didn't really get an answer. And, and so the year before, when we were year ones, the second years had this really like, professional meeting. So they went in, manager was in there, youth team manager, uh, all sorted, really professionally done. I got told at Coventry City's training ground after a game in a dugout with Ian. And, and he told us almost just as a favour because he felt bad that it was dragging and dragging and dragging. And so, yeah, we, we found out literally at, at, at Coventry Shambles. and then we had a <clears throat> yeah, trip home. So it, it, was, it was brutal. But, but the game is brutal. The, Proper the, the YTS is them day as well, weren't you? You were cleaning the... The changing rooms and yeah. proper YTS. Not like now where they got... Yeah, did, we did all the jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We did all the jobs. Yeah, decent. Uh, a, a good mate of mine went through the system at, at Lincoln. Got a little bit further than Stubbs. He got on, played for the reserves. Didn't quite make it. Um, but yeah, he when I, when I worked there on the hospitality side... It's Nige. Yeah, Nige. Nige Wallace, you know, yeah. Nige Wallace. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, because... Yeah, nice lab. So he... We're, we're bouncing about him, uh, bouncing around a bit here, but uh, I remember Nige telling me uh, over a beer ages ago, see, he... He had some personal problems and then left the club. Um, fairly decent player from, from memory. Yeah, and then, good left foot. But, it, but mm. it was the first time it actually dawned on me because he said to me, he said, from the academy, because uh, Peter Jackson came in yep. and didn't bring two players back from loan. And our mutual friend Danny got Danny Hone got his, got his first start. And I remember Nige saying to me, I'm sure, sure Nige won't mind me saying, that he said, the two lads that are on loan are much better than Danny, but he doesn't know they're there. They're out, outside, out of mind. Danny gets his, his debut. And that's the first time it really, the penny dropped on me, is so much luck in football Absolutely. when it comes to that. Right place, right and, time. Yeah, look, he'll need a centre-half. I'm, I'm banging the trouble. You'll do, son. In you go. And, he, and obviously thrived, Danny. So happy days. And, and, but it's just, it was a real penny drop moment for me. Without a shadow of a doubt, you, you need opportunity and you need luck. And something like that, I, I don't know who the two lads would have been out on loan at the time. Um, Andy Toyne seems to ring a bell, but I can't. I can't. He's a centre 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 centre. Centre. Was he? Toyne and what? What? Owen Warlow. 
Might be yeah. Owen. I can't remember. I just remember there was two centre halves out on loan, and Danny was a bit younger. I think Wallow was like left. Can't remember. Left winger. Left. Left. I seem to recall the lad who wasn't alone was a very good footballer. But I, just just taking his word for it. But it's it's, it's and also the other thing that, that dawned on me. I know we'll touch on later is how we'd moved around the positions. So I used to play five aside with him. He was naughtily playing five aside on a Wednesday when I first met him. He shouldn't have been there, and he was clearly a lot better than us pissed up Herberts. But he was. He was saying, oh, I'm a centre midfielder. And then I got the job at Lincoln City. I was watching him play right back. It's incredible when you get to the, the sort of the pro level, the, 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 ser- the serious stuff, how you can be just moved about and, and manipulated in different positions because that's what the coach wants. Well, they've always said that a right back, nobody actually grows up wanting to be a right back. No one wants to grow up being Gary Neville, Gary Neville yeah. No, which when you actually think about that, you can see that in like player style of play now, can't you? It's your second position, isn't it? What, right back? Yeah. Oh, Centre forward, like every forward. goalkeeper. Goal of the yeah. season. Oh, here we go. Right, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Goal of the season, Claxton. <laughs> I have played it right back. You, you could have had a career just putting it in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> just clipping. Would have been worried Ping. about you on the back stick, though, defending crosses because yeah, you're high. Yeah. But, um, I feel like Trent Alexander-Arnold. Set pieces, unbelievable. But defended. Just let that nah. silence just, just, <laughs> just drift away there. Such a high opinion of oneself. <laughs> So you, you can give me credit on one thing. My distribution was class. Yeah, no, I, I, that is true. And that is absolutely true. That's what kept him in the system for so long. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I reckon if I was five, ten years later, I'd have still have been released. But I reckon I've had a better chance. Most pointless sentence ever. <laughs> Just my Italian theory, but for different positions. I No, because the games... Like, you're I, right, what are you saying? Like, like a goalkeeper back then, and you'll... Did, when I was did you just the, say five or... Six years ten, later. Five or ten. Ten. Five or ten centimetres taller <laughs> yeah. and you might have had a fucking chance. <laughs> it's got nothing you, to do with years. You make a great point. I may have, might have been a bit taller. I might have grown. It was like Carlo Cudicini. He was quite small. Great feet. He was one of those lads that came through when he? he was quite... This was some more as well. Yeah, six foot one. It, uh, small Michelle for a goalkeeper. Vaughan. He was mm. quite small for Swansea. Swansea. I could see us. Yeah, six foot. See us, yeah. How tall are you, Stubbs? Over debate. We've literally measured him up against that wall. And what one was, of the shows. What's the outcome? Oh. Five ten, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. At best. Five ten. Tippy toes. The tape measure didn't lie. He had heels on. Heels on. <laughs> the thing toes. that's quite funny is that I was like, when I was, when waiting for my decision, was like, you've got to be six foot. And I would have done anything for them two inches. Was, was I in the room? Morning. Bloody hell! Um, yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Because we once I got released, we had the conversation about coming to the uh, the college, didn't we? Was I your 16s coach? Yeah, with G- JP. AP, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Right, let's get back on track. So you do your badges. <laughs> we'll come back to Carl later. Uh, so you, you do your badges, and then you're involved in what capacity? So I started off working for community um trust kind of area football to begin with yeah so probably. as it used to be football yeah. community um and i ran the under 14 girls i think was my first foray into into coaching properly um so i'd probably been been 20 something like that um and so I, I took on a team ran them for a couple of years till they got to about under 16 and then they kind of disbanded as they all went their separate ways and then at that point in time Ian was still at the club and then I'd got an offer to, to basically go in and work in the, as it was a centre of excellence at the time. Uh, so I, I went in and did the under nines, I think it was. Then Ian left and Tom Spore took over. Yeah. Um, oh, Tom. 
spot. Yeah, great. He was there bloke. When I was there. Yeah, really good guy. Really good bloke. Fantastic coach. Knows the game. Where he came from. Yeah, yeah. So, knows the game inside out. Really good bloke. Um, to this and, day, this will mean nothing to anybody, but still the funniest Facebook profile picture. I think he's still on my Facebook friends. It's like the light shining off his bald head. And he looks like a convict. It's a brilliant Facebook. Like it doesn't, no shit's given. Like why my, my daughter's like, that pretty much sums him up. Yeah, yeah. Dry. Yeah. yeah. No, literally, but you knew, where, you knew where he stood. You yeah, knew where he definitely. stood with him. Yeah, was, yeah. I, I thought it was excellent. It was a fantastic mentor to me. So. Who was the Ian chap? I think I knew him as well. Ian White. So, no, I didn't know him. Uh, Somebody else I'm thinking of. There was a good, really good coach there that got let go. I can't remember his name. He was excellent. And he got let go. And I can't remember why, but it didn't like a bit of a reshuffle. It's just as brutal for coaches, isn't it? As well, well and it, it is. Yeah, literally. New regime comes in. They want their new people. But so Tom, Tom was excellent for me. Tom knew me as a player because he was Ian's assistant. So he knew me quite well as a player and as a person, I suppose. And um, he then moved me from I think I only did like a year at the nines, and then I went into the middle kind of age groups, twelves, thirteen, something like that. And then probably within it's a couple of years, I, I, I progressed through. I, I think I went to 15s and I think I probably maybe took your group from 15s to 16s. I might have moved up. We went unbeaten, didn't we, for a season and a bit. I can honestly Humble say brag. I have mm. no idea, Stubbs. Mm. Um, He's very good at shoehorning. He is, yeah. Little, 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 little <laughs> personal goals and little facts. I, I, I couldn't tell you the results of my current Link United under 16s team, let alone yours you, from... You won 3-1 like, at the weekend. Why under 16s? Oh, no, that was Hallers I saw on Facebook. Uh, no, that was, yeah, that was Hallers, yeah. Uh, so so that, that's how I got into it, really. It literally was a case of right place, right time. It's the same thing. Tom Tom got stepped up. Um, he knew me. He, he saw potential in me. He took me under his uh, under his wing, really, and, and just mentored me. So I owe him a lot, to be quite honest. Who was in charge of the first team at this point? Would this be the time where they went for a few managers? I can remember. So, well, I remember I, when I came into the academy... Um, Keith Watt was the scout. Can you remember Keith? Certainly do. Certainly do. Yeah, what a legend. Um, so he brought me into the club and I can't think who was... What year are we this, talking? Jeez. Uh, from the time I worked there, so it was Keith was there. Uh, this would have been went. 2000, 2001 maybe. Early, early, early 2000s. Yeah. It's Keith, isn't it? Keith, yeah. Yeah, Keith. But yeah, I, I think yeah, it was... It left it was, 2006. It was Keith, Scoff. Scoff. Oh, he was a brilliant coach. Yeah, so I, I think I think Tom got moved up. Maybe when Scoff was in charge, can't remember. But yeah, certainly, it's certainly around that. It was around Scoff, that. Yeah. It was around that time. That's that's when you talk about football boards not holding their nerve. Yeah, so I remember it was John John Dean was there John at the time Dean, XX yeah. Villa. Yeah, and John came down the stairs and he and he he, he said to me, he said, "Sack me. I get that. I failed." But don't sack your coach who's, who's got you playing this brilliant style of football. Yes, you failed at the end of the season, but my God, change the structure around him, build around him. It didn't, it incredible, but, but it? They didn't support him in the, no. was it the winter transfer window when he, he yeah. was desperate for the player, wasn't he? You were uh, in and around it, weren't you? Yeah, we didn't. But the football was magnificent. It was genuinely some of the best I've ever seen. But I was so pleased with him because he's obviously working in the club as, as it did at the time. He, he was such a great character. Him and Grant Brown, to be fair, but just great to be about the place. Like John Schofield, I remember the old ticket office at Lincoln. Sorry to any non-Lincoln fans listening. There was like a big screen and like a, a, a hole in it. And Sco used to climb through it every single day just to make the girls laugh in the office. Every day. Great Absolute bloke. character. Great bloke. Absolute character. And then obviously got the top job and it was just, it's just football. You, you realise all the time how, how cutthroat it is. Massively, it is cutthroat. Every single level of the game, whether that is an under nine or whether that is 
a seasoned pro or whether that is a member of coaching staff. The, the, the game is brutal. What's your opinion on sort of the age that the academies slash centre of excellence should start? So I started, I think I was 10 when I first came into the system, 10 or 11. Do you think that's too young or do you think it should be... like? Because now you have like uh, kids when they're five or six going to like Man City and stuff, don't you? And going through like a almost school with Man City. Um, do you think that's too much or...? I think it's a really tough question and and... It's tough because on the one hand, you've got what's referred to as early specialization. So the, the sooner you specialize in one sport, mm. the, the quicker you accumulate like this deliberate practice. So this kind of the 10,000 hour rule or 10 year rule. So the, mm. the quicker you start specializing, the more opportunity you will get to maybe get to the top is, is the theory. But the flip side of that is then you've got late specialization. So actually that conversation we had just before we started about you and cycling. So yeah. you've started that really late on, but look at where you are. You're doing really well. Yeah. But the problem is it needs to be either all clubs do it because you can't have somebody on their moral high ground go in for argument's sake. If Lincoln said, right, we're going to make a decision. We're not going to recruit until 15s, 14s, 15s. You've lost all the good players to every other club around, haven't yeah. you? So Forrest, Scunthorpe, Grimsby, everyone's come in and taken all your good players. Yeah. And in which case, you're behind the curve. So you can only do what the competition are doing. Yeah. So it, it even needs to be... Typical um, of football, really, isn't it? It's, it's cutthroat it's, 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 it's a football issue. It's massively cutthroat. And it is, it's only coming out of it and then being able to reflect back on my time in football um, that... I kind of now probably am happy to have this conversation around things like early or late specialization. Look, to answer your question directly, I wouldn't want my boy going into that scheme at a young age. Now, that, that's my view, having been inside the system. Yeah. Um, but likewise, I also understand why there'll be parents and kids that are desperate to be a part of it. So what we discussed when we, on a previous pod, um, go and check out if you haven't listened to it, when, when Carl and, and Michael were talking about their experiences in the academy system was, the reason we started talking about it was, was at what age should you be, just be playing football for fun? Yeah. You just touched it there, to be fair, that, that it needs to be a, a, a rule for everyone to stop doing it. But we all had memories of kids at school who had got into the academy excellence. So they stopped playing with their mates, yeah. stopped playing for the school team, which is a... Big thing when you're that age. It wasn't just that though. Like I wasn't allowed to go on like a ski trip. No, exactly. No, it's, it's, it's like all that. the So you, you miss out on quite a lot. You make you do make a lot of sacrifices at a, a young age and miss out on quite a few like life experiences in the hope of making it. When in reality, the chances of you making it are literally. But I, I just want those sacrifices are massive, though. They're, they're massive from the players, but they're also massive from the parents. Yeah, they are, like they're, yeah. There's so much sacrifice that goes on when you've got somebody in that system. But to push it on further away from our chat, which which was more about sort of personal experiences and sort of the, the moral side of it, from a, from a coach's, purely coaching angle, what do you actually get out, coaching-wise, of someone that young? So say they come into the academy at nine, realistic, on a weekly basis... How much improvement? Is it loads of improvement? Would would they? I just want to know from an would they be better to in, still doing the academy system, but still being able to get kicked by the mates and, and school team? How do you feel about that mix, from purely from a coaching angle? I think from being in the system and um, 
under nines, it's like a golden age of learning. They go on a massive learning curve very quickly. Sponges, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you just said about your kids and the ages they are. So you'll know what they're like. But if you put them in the right environment, if you get the environment right and you're doing the right things with them at the right time, they will accelerate their learning. Now, the problem of leaving them solely in grassroots is they could get mixed messages. So you've got your coaching staff trying to develop them in a certain way and and trying to improve their decision-making or this, that, the other. But then, you know, I've seen a lot more of grassroots in the last 18 months. There's some nutters in grassroots. Yeah. (laughs) Some parents, like... Surrenders, actually. (laughs) Yeah, we've all been through it, haven't we? Not in the youth system and stuff, it's surrenders. So there, there is, there's also an argument in terms of, you know, is grassroots the right environment for people that you think have real potential or actually is it is it likely to hold them back potentially so i think the balance has to be found somewhere in an ideal world if you if you want to know what i think an ideal world would be it would be to try to leave people in a grassroots environment for longer but the coaching at grassroots level and the etiquette of the fans and the parents and it needs to change a kind of a win at all costs emphasis to more on fun and enjoyment, even at grassroots. Now, I, I know a team um, relatively local to me, under eights they are this year, they're holding trials for an under nines village team. We're not, we're not talking about, you know, it, you live in the local area, you live in this village, come and play and have fun. Wow. We're talking about the, the, they're going out to press for trials because, because they want to win games. Uh, under nine. Now, <clears throat> I think that's wrong. That's so my many view. levels. But there's so many like famous... A fart in a lift, Carl. There's, there's, <laughs> there's so many famous stories. Rooney's probably the most famous one recently where he said, I used to get in trouble because I used to finish me academy session when I and obviously he was he was well thought of in the academy and he'd go play six aside with his mates and get, get kicked lumps out of and fake injuries and uh, like come back with injuries and stuff and like, oh, just fell on the stairs. And there's, there's like Phil Foden's the same. Gaza yeah. talks about it. So clearly, from a from a, a child point of view, they wanted to play football with their mates. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And you've got um, what's the there, harm there, in it? There, there, there was that documentary say. around sort of South London. Um, I think it was on BT around almost like cage football. Like, like yeah. there's, a, there's a really high percentage of of footballers that Getting sort kids of, off the streets and yeah, that, that have come. And it's almost a case of right, go in the cage, give them a ball, let them kick fuck out of each other, and they'll figure out a way of dealing with it they'll figure out a way of trying to beat somebody coming and trying to kick the crap out of them. Because from a wider angle, which is what we're seeing for some players, and I talked earlier about Chris Dawson coming through not quite big enough, you also see it with certain players that you look at them and go, okay, really talented, needs to go play some championship football, needs to get elbowed and kicked by, by people like John Parkin, he needs to get spread about a bit. And, it, and that's an issue as well. So you can solve that when they're younger, but they get used to being booted. There's this image of academies, especially elite academies, of it's all great surfaces, everything's done for you. There was that famous story that was on a podcast, I think it was under the cosh, where they're on about Peter Beardsley. Peter Beardsley's one of our greatest ever footballers, or he's, he's certainly in the on the list. And there's an, is it a, an academy somewhere with his Newcastle youth team, and he's pushing the chuffing kit box, whatever it is, up the hill. And all the academy kids are all on the bus with their headphones on. If that's not a pamper, I don't know what is. And there's one of England's greatest ever strikers moving everything. So you go from one extreme to the other, your YTS experiences of cleaning toilets and 
well, I didn't get 50 quid for cleaning someone's boots. So what it is now, it's almost gone way too far. It's too wide. I think, I think there's a lot of good things come from, and I completely get the whole, like, go play your grassroots and stuff like that. But it is important at that age, I think, to manage workloads and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, there's, you know, if you say to your players, unfortunately, you can only play for Lincoln City, that is it. You know full well that all is there playing is on the Tuesday night when you have squad training, the Friday night when you have squad training, and the games on the Sunday. So you know that's all they're playing. Which, and to be fair with myself, we had the goalkeeper training on a Monday as well. But you know that, that their workload is going to be no more than that. Whereas you could have some players, absolutely burning. It doesn't matter what age you are, they're still developing, like their bodies are still developing. They could be absolutely burning themselves out, going and playing the account, like they haven't got academy on a Monday, so they're going to go play with the mates down at the, the local team. Then they're going to go to the academy night on Tuesday. Then Wednesday, the county squad have got training, so they're going to go along to that. Before you know it, they're playing football seven days a week, which, don't get me wrong, is absolutely brilliant as a kid, but it's could also have such a detrimental effect on their sort of development as a human body. That is, that's one of the downsides of this early specialisation is what's referred to as burnout. So lots of people that will specialise in one sport very early on, by the time they get to sort of 21, 22, they might be done with it. They might have reached burnout. Mm. Either it might be physically because of overuse injuries, or it might just be they're mentally sick and tired now of that sport. Because they've been through that type That's of system, hundred percent. Well, so in in even the podcast, earlier, uh, even yeah. earlier, because Buffy's lad, he he genuinely was he's like developing really quickly with his football. And I saw him in the gym the other day, and it just said, Lee like, Buff. Yeah, yeah. I said I, I was I was never getting on, and he, he basically said like he, he's kind of just going through a bit of a phase of not really being interested anymore. And I thought he's play, he's obviously playing a lot. Um, but then he's a talented kid, so you you know you want them to keep enjoying it. But at the same time, it's there's there's a fine fine line, isn't there? Massively a fine line between trying to expose kids to lots of sports and let them find their own path. Yeah, like you, you were talking earlier about cycling. If you'd have found cycling earlier, you know, if you'd have done Monday night down at the football club with goalkeepers, but on a Wednesday night you went to a cycling club. Yeah. And on a Friday night, you did basketball or whatever. Yeah. And you sampled a, a whole range of sports. And then you decide, actually, that's the one I think I want to go specialise in. So Emma Raducanu is, is more of a proponent of that. So she she sampled lots of sports and she got to a, a, an age where she had to go, you need to decide which one you want to specialise in because she got to about 14, 15. And she now needed to invest the time to yeah. focus on one sport. So she's more of this kind of late specialization. But I think a lot of it depends upon the type of sport you want to do as well, because football is cutthroat and, and there's this kind of cultural, you know, everyone plays from a young age and people like like yourself, well, probably like all of you, you know, you just you just go and play football and yeah. you'd go to academy one night and then you're you're down the park with your mates the next night it's no wonder you end up getting burnt out. You just get sick and tired of playing. Yeah. So in that podcast that you're talking about, I found it really interesting to listen to you where you were going, I don't even want to play. I got, I got roped into playing one game and we went to extra time. And all I was thinking of is, oh, I can't wait to go off the pitch. Yeah. Like, mm. that, that's a crying shame. Now, I would say as coaches, 
there's a problem if kids aren't enjoying sessions. There's a problem if kids aren't enjoying sessions when they're young. You know, there's a massive problem if kids aren't enjoying sessions when they're young. Actually, I, I reflect back now on people like him not playing because I've been doing it, I've been involved for so long. I now look at it and think, have I impacted on him now not playing the sport that he used to love? And, and that's, a, that's a horrible thought to have to think, actually, his experiences that I'm a part of have made him now not enjoy playing the game. I think you're safe. He, he plays sport roulette, so I won't worry about it. He just spins the wheels. <laughs> whatever, whatever. What shall I do today? I mean, I've known you about 10 years and you've had more sports than I've had change of underwear, so... I'm joking, it's, by the way. A, I'm just trying to break the tension. <laughs> no, it's, no, a very, it's a very I, good point. It's a very good. It's a very a worthwhile point. It's. A, I don't know that. Like, it's a brilliant point, but I don't really know. As you say, I, there's no way of sort of, like, removing what it is. What it is like football. You need to be as a foot as Lincoln City Football Club or any other football club for that matter. You need to be investing in them people at a young age because other people get them. So from a selfish club point of view, that's what you need to do. But from a personal point of view, so on the side that I was, do I wish that I was trying all these other sports? Absolutely. Yeah, I found cycling now, and yeah, I do wish that I'd have found it 10 years ago. But on the same sense, exactly the same thing could have happened for me and cycling in terms of I could have found it 10 years ago, gone absolutely balls into it like I do with most things, and now I could also be hating cycling. But it could have been... We spoke about it before. It could have been chess, could have been skateboarding, yeah. could have been... Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's my that, joke. That, that is a great point, though. Literally. And you don't know, do you? No. You have no idea. I mean, it is it is what it is, but, like... I mean, I, I mean, the, 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 the statistics behind... Like, we're talking about under-9s. We keep talking about under-9s. But stats-wise, an under-9 that goes into a system is ridiculously unlikely you know to the still figure. be. So I did know it. Notes. Yep, I feel you. Yeah, so I did I did stumble across it the other day. But so has anyone read that No Hunger in Paradise book? Michael Calvin. Uh, none of us can read. So uh, that, we're going we're to struggle. Carl definitely That's why we can. put microphones. <laughs> we just talk. So so uh, great book, No Hunger in Paradise. All, all Basically all about what we're talking about, the academy system and its flaws. Um, and he, he rattles off the figures and he says that it's less than one half of 1%. So... As to what that is, I don't know if it's 0.02, but, but less than one half of 1% of boys who join an academy at nine will not make a first-team appearance. Less than 0.5% chance. Yeah. Which it's, is why whenever start. you're in the pub, they've had trials. Every man's had trials it, in every pub in ev- England. Everyone has, actually. Yeah. Trials, has. mate. You, you, you have a, you have a very, very, very... <laughs> Bologna. <laughs> Is that where you had your trial? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. Like, you've got a very slim chance. It's not happening, is it? So, so, or you go down a Brentford model and you sack off your schoolboy system. So, so Brentford... Huddersfield did it as well, didn't they? And Huddersfield did yeah. it recently, yeah. So, so to run a system costs a lot of money. It, it costs a lot of money to a football club because they have to match the funding, but also they get given X amount of money. It costs a lot of money to run a system. Now... What are people getting out of it? So, so what? What do you think an academy system's for? What do you think it's for? I'm, asking, I, I, I'm not I, meant to ask the questions, but I'm going to check it out. I think it depends <laughs> on the size of the club. Okay. What? What is? So, we, you guys love talking about Lincoln. That that's clear on the pod. Please. So, what? 
and, and Leeds. <laughs> Don't fucking remind him. Yeah, sorry, go on. Go on well, what, what's, what's the purpose of Leeds Academy? If I think it services the first team. We've got a very, I think it depends on your club and your size. For someone like Leeds, we've got a very good record as a club of bringing, same like West Ham, very good record of bringing players through. Like him, he says all the right things. But we, we played last weekend and we had four youth players that all played against the Wolves. So we're very good at it. Other clubs, maybe of, our, of similar size to us, may purely see it as you bring all these lads in, you, if you sell a couple, like Ch- Chelsea's a good Chelsea's example. A massive example. Chelsea's yeah. a massive example. They have got a farm of players and they know they can pay 1.5 million for him from manage to get them out of whatever club they're in, bring them here. And if they sell them for five, happy days. Okay. I think it's, I think it's your club size and your club model, I think. I think somebody like Lincoln City is a box ticket mix. We seem to be doing it. Hmm. I I genuinely cannot think of a player that Tony's probably the only example of a player that I can think of that I played with at Lincoln City that is that played professional football. There was Lee Freckleton older than you because he yeah. came through, didn't he? He's yeah, because he's had a great man. career. Lenny? Like four years. Lennell? Yeah. John Lewis? He's older than me. Butch played a few games for Lincoln, actually. Yeah, he did it. Scored at Bradford on his debut, didn't he? Yeah, there, there was there was a host of that. that group. I mean, but but it's, 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 it's a handful career. at max, though, yeah. isn't it? Butch it's, played no stretched. more than five, ten games, but yeah. I doubt. Pony played a good few. Yeah, he did, yeah. Uh, and and left arguably far too early than what he should have. Yeah. Um, but but that that's where it comes down to opinions. And, but, and but it's also geography based because if if you're, I make the point quite a lot that. If you're in Lincoln and your dad is, say, I say dad or mum, whatever, is 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 insistence you're going to make it from here. I know that I know they've got an academy anyway in, in Lincoln, but you've got Sheffield, yep. Nottingham, live non sort of non like Grimsby and etc. Leeds isn't that far; they'd be a bit of a push to get there. So t- does Lincoln? Do they get the, the the best talent even even at that age? So the percentage even lower. Do you mean local talent? Local talent, yeah. Because it's not far. I, mean, I know Sheffield have a Sheffield United have a satellite academy, don't they? In Lincoln, they. I think it was Sheffield Wednesday tried to set something up yeah. with with a local club. I don't, I don't know whether right. it's still. I don't think it is. But to, from your your perspective with Lincoln, do you think that they should be? Is the academy there to service local people or or not? So, so you, you said there was three people th- for Leeds, didn't I, you? I think it used to be. I think now. Probably, you're more waiting for that diamond that you're going to cash in on. Really, I, I, I think it used to be a lot more about, like for example, when when Stubbsy when you were there, I think it was probably more to service the local, local area. Where, we seem to be doing it. Yeah. Whereas I don't, I don't know. I don't I'd know. That I that think it's just be another one. Loachy, Scott Loach. Yeah, he's just caught he's, up. He's just woke up. No, a, I've, just, I've, just, I've just been sat... No, he's, yeah, he's the playing goal at Chesterfield now. Yeah. But, uh, good keeper, Lochi. Six but, foot six. Is, is he the one yeah. that went... Yeah. <laughs> About three <laughs> foot bigger than Carl. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he went to play for... I think we saw him for Watford. Yeah, he, did, yeah, he went to Watford. While I was there, they sold two. So I think Lochi must have been one of them. They also sold that centre-half who went to Liverpool Reserves Jack for years. Cops. Jack Hobbs. So that had paid for loads. Because he wasn't good for half a mil. Yeah, Keith Alexander was was brilliant. I remember speaking to Keith, and he what a what a loss, what a fantastic bloke Keith is, yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable. unbelievable. And bloke. I can remember he was doing some work 
for us at the college. Yeah. Um, was he? Was yeah. you? Was you there at the time? So <laughs> every session it, we, was a shooting we, session. So, somehow we've managed to get Keith Alexander working at the college, um, and it was brilliant. I remember being sat in the little office with him one day chatting, um, and he was only too happy to just share stories and give his time. He was a brilliant bloke, um, and he was talking about the fact that as a first team manager, if ever he was under a bit of pressure, he would chuck in a young local kid, put him on the bench. And if I can get him on for 10, 15 minutes, Everyone said, loves the he's like, pressure. He, he, he'll run around, he'll, he'll survive on adrenaline for 10, 15 minutes. And I remember Pembo doing it. Pembo's debut was brilliant. He ran around and he caused, he caused like a little bit of a, like a ripple in the crowd. They were loving him. Uh, and he said, if ever he's struggling, he'll, he'll always bring in a young local kid. The three that were on the bench for Leeds, were they local? Do you, well, do they, you know? all, they actually all played. Uh, yeah, so you got um, Cresswell. Yeah, his, his dad played for us, Richard. So he was born in Leeds, came through the academy system. Um, don't think the other lads were, actually. Is that Cresswell that was at Preston? And... Richard Cresswell, the striker. It's his lad. Oh, right. So obviously, okay. when he was at Leeds, I had him in Leeds. And obviously, he's come through all the way through our system from a very, very young age. Uh, no, the keeper was foreign, Klaus, and he's, he's Danish, I think. Uh, Helder came Shackleton. through. No, uh, he wasn't. No, he's injured. No, um, who's, the, who's the one that came on? Uh, Sam Greenwood we bought in the summer. So in this instance, no. But they usually they do tend to be. Um, so, so that's I suppose that's one of the things, isn't it? So if if your academy is there to meant to help local kids get through a system, which I that's my perception of what an academy should be. Now I, I think if it's Man City. West Ham or one of them big ones, big club, they will bring in the best talent from the world. 16-year-old, 15-year-old. Because once we got promoted, in women's in the championship, spending 1.5 million on a kid would never have happened. As soon as we got up, we bought Joe Gellhart from Wigan, who were banging trouble for yeah. a million. Good lad. He um, he's, he's a great, he's going to make it. Yeah, I like That him. kid has got a big future. Sam Greenwood from, from Arsenal for, right. again, 1.5. Yelda from uh, Celtic, another million. Yep. We're dropping four or fives. So, 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 so is that squeezing the youth? It's Probably not, is. So, so all of a sudden, somebody from Leeds that's been there since nine is now on the back burner because they bought somebody in. But that is the top, so that's the 23. So that's so, the top, okay. So, so, that's so the underneath top. it, the 18s so, and our, our local kids. It is, it's a okay. really good talent pool. At this point in time? Uh, yeah. And, but they might get to 23s and get displaced because we're so, still in the Prem and someone's bought 1.5 so, million. So if you, if you, if you was at Lincoln, would you expect Lincoln to be working and developing the local kids in and around Lincoln? I mean, 100% I do. Yeah, 100%. Well, 100%. It doesn't happen though, does it? Because there's, there's kids from all over that have come over to Lincoln's Academy from all over. The because, they've got a, because they've got a sniff of first team. Is that, is that, is that the motivation? No, I, and and we've got I manager, remember. What's the motivation? And we've got a manager in place that well, he plays youth players. And he, yeah, good football. And yeah, there has to be a motivation for, for them kids to come in. The motivation for Sam Greenwood to come to Leeds is he's not going to quite. He's not going to get in Arsenal's first team, and now he's in our first team. So he's he's first team Premier League football, and he's just played it. So and he, and he got an assist. So he's he's doing exactly what he's joined to do. So, so Lincoln's first team, and I've I haven't seen him for a very long period of time now, but. It, it, is it littered with kind of like under 23s from Man City? And they've got quite a few, haven't they? You love a loan, don't you? We do like a good loan. The loan. Last year you had what? Brennan Johnson, know, yeah, Morgan Rogers. He was very lucky last year. I mean, Morgan, how much, I mean, Morgan Rogers is a good example. So he, what, 16, went for, what was it, 4 million, 4.5 million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so, signed it from, uh, was it West Brom? 
I mean, do Man City need to, to pay so, four or five million for a young striker? But, so, you, but you said earlier, so with Leeds, Leeds under eighteen is littered with local talent. Nearest damn it, yeah. Okay, so we're now stretching to twenty threes, filling gaps. No one else coming here tonight, and and somebody told me this months ago, and I'd, I'd literally paid it lip service because I didn't need to really worry about it at the time. But no one else coming here tonight. I, I went and googled something. So Lincoln signed nine year one scholars this year, June July twenty twenty one. Player one signed from Chesterfield November twenty twenty. Player two. Signed from Wolves, June 2021. Player three, signed from Forest in March 2021. Player four, signed from Luton in May of 2021. Player five, signed from Derry City in June 2021. Player six, signed from Derby in October 2020. Player seven, signed from Lincoln, been at the club since September 2014. So come through the system. Player eight, didn't say where he signed from, just said he signed in March 2021. And the last player, player nine, signed from Forest in March 2021. So you've got nine year one scholars, of which none of them have come through the schoolboy program. So are we at a point now, even at Lincoln's level, I don't mean to um, live at Lincoln, but is it at the point now where it really is the cream? E- even for the release boys and that sort of stuff, it's the cream. Surely it, it's become it, a market, hasn't it? It's a market. It's, it's a market. It's its own, ecos- it it's own it ecosystem. And we've spoken about Chelsea before. They've literally yeah, the worst. It? Yeah, they're cherry picking, and then they know that they can send them out well, alone and get their wages. That example Andy's just given is no different to Lincoln, is it? Yeah, that's, we what, like, yeah. It's like, well, right. that's why I was saying. I Incredible. think it, I think it used to be, whereas now I don't think it is. I no, think, good know, point. Back, I but, remember back in my day, literally the whole of well, not the whole. We had a couple of lads from Ireland from like came over. I think. Stick them in digs and yeah. plastic and uh, But other than that, I think the majority of, well, certainly the year above me, no, the year above me, there was not a lot. Of, they were Lincoln-based. Yeah. They were, they were, in and around Lincoln, so Newark maybe, but but they were Lincoln-based. Yeah. Uh, the thing that I that sticks in my mind quite a lot, and I don't, you'll probably have your view on this as well, but I remember like players, mainly goalkeepers coming into the academy that, I'll be honest, were absolutely useless. However, they were six foot two. So Lincoln got into a place where they were bringing a goalkeeper in because he was six foot two, and then they were going to make him into a goalkeeper. And that's sort of how it, I, especially towards the end of what I was doing, obviously I'm not the tallest, so I can completely see why they were doing no. it for my age group because they knew that's what they wanted. But that, that to me isn't like the, the talent that's out there. Like, I don't believe that you can make a goalkeeper is my viewpoint. I think it's a very natural position. Like you, Yeah, you're all mental. You need a massive need element crazy. of that. You yeah, crazy. you do. But I don't think you can, you can't turn somebody mental. You can't just turn up to somebody who's six foot three and say, go dive at his feet because it'll be brilliant. You'll love it because it, you just can't do that. Like, that takes a massive... If you haven't got that in no. you, you can't do it. I wouldn't disagree. I think there, there's a certain... You're talking about psychological traits almost, aren't you? So, yeah. so there, there has to be certain bits in somebody's psyche that helps them get to where they want to get to. But I think, like, you were talking about Chelsea earlier and their programme. Um, Chelsea have a great academy programme. Uh, and that's why they can churn out all these players. Yeah. So, so, you know, they're selling, they're selling people for what, 8 million to Southampton. Mm-hmm. 
okay, that, that's why they can do it. But it almost kind of begs the question as to what is the purpose of a League One or League Two academy when the realities are, I bet the figures that are rattled off earlier are less than that in even League One and Two. You'd almost expect they've got more chance of coming through. But actually what, what happens is the bigger clubs recruit that many that are never going to get through at they, that level. And then they just filter back So down. they filter down. Yeah, but, but there's it's a... It's FOMO though, isn't it? There's a whole host of them that aren't even then filtering down into the system because there's only so many places available and obviously there are X amount of players already in them places. Mm. So you won't get a whole host of people coming for every year. There, there, are, there are too many players available, but not enough spaces. So what did what did EPPP do that for that then? Because I, I remember at the time we we weren't so, in the system. We yep. were level two, looking at Premier League clubs, thinking, okay, let me read into this and find out what exactly that's going to do to the pyramid. From that angle, then, has it not made it worse? Because you've got these elite level one academies who are hoovering up yep. the elite, and well, obviously there's no restriction on where they can come from. So like Huddersfield was talked about earlier. Yeah. What's the point in them recruiting when the player's just going to go to Leeds or to Man City? Well, so so that, that's why Brentford and Huddersfield have gone oh, down the model. It. That's why they've gone. Mm. And it's, we'll, and let's we'll, be honest, it's successful for both of them. What, what, so we'll sack off our schoolboy programme yeah. and we will just recruit them when they get to under-18s. We'll go to the exit trials and we'll do some time and we'll spend and time trying to woo the parents and we'll, we'll invest in making them feel like if they come here, they've got a real pathway. And we'll just do that. We won't run under sevens to under 16s because the statistics tell us there's no chance they're going to really get through the system. So do you see so that we'll long-term happening? More uh, clubs uh, will uh, take uh, that model. When I first heard about Brentford, I was absolutely aghast and I was thinking, what the hell, that can't be right. The, the community of Brentford must be up in arms. This is a scandal because my view would have been Brentford had a responsibility to try to develop the kids in and around their area. But actually now, looking at it, you can't really argue with their model because their model's been really successful. Mm. Now, I don't know what grassroots is like in and around Brentford and whether the standard has gone down in the area because they're now not getting the coaching. The local kids aren't getting the coaching. Now, it's Brentford, so there'll be X amount of clubs in London that will still hoover up any talent. But I can, I can look at it now and go, I can see why a club would go I don't think there's a purpose and a point of actually running a really expensive and, it, you know, it's a really difficult process to run all the way from under sevens and through to sixteens. It's really expensive. It's expensive in terms of, well, everything. Every, the whole thing. The whole thing is expensive. But my brain keeps going back to geography. So Brentford's a great example. They're in West London. They're surrounded by football clubs. So they can just mop up whatever gets released. They're letting Happy somebody days. else do the hard work. Yeah, but if you're in Newcastle, you can't do that. Because where are you well, get your players from? They can just buy anybody these days. No, they can yeah. now, yeah. <laughs> Poor example. Saudi <laughs> <laughs> Arabia. But in terms of them as, as, as geographically, yeah. what do they do? They have to have an academy system. And, and Leeds would argue the same thing. Leeds have got other problems because Leeds is in, in Weatherby and they're, they're not getting the inner city kids because they need to take three buses. Fabian Delph is an example. Yeah. Just take four buses to get to his academy night from Bradford because it was in Weatherby, which is obviously north, north. Uh, but in, in, in fact, like Newcastle could not run a schoolboy program and they could just go to exit trials from under 16s mm. and pick up the people that Man City, Man United didn't want. But th there would still be I'm enough just, players. I'm, yeah, I'm just... It, it's, it's, it, Newcastle's, a, I, th I think, a good example because it is so far away from everything else. So even to get a kid to come, they'll do it if they think they've got a chance of making it, obviously. 
to come up from... So you might as well hoover all that talent up. You might as well, might as well have an academy because it makes sense. So will well, it come down to each club Why being does it make sense? Because you just said it's very, of very costly. Because of geography. Because they're so far up in the sticks. Well, it doesn't matter. Because it, we're, like we've already said that Man City are put, just... They'll put you in a, ho- a house year. They'll house your family. They'll do whatever. Location is, is almost... Irrelevant at that top end. Pro- it doesn't, probably it, it doesn't even have to be um, yeah, like the results the UK, have changed. Everything. They're bringing players in from all over, aren't they? Spain, everywhere. I guarantee in the summer as well, when Newcastle start signing players, a lot of them will be based in London and flying up. And you know, if I was be, a Newcastle be, Academy player be, now, yeah, I'd you, be looking for a club. Yeah, absolutely. You're never going to play for Newcastle. One hundred percent, never going to play. But they've actually had quite a few come through, haven't they? That long is it? Long stuff. The brothers, the brothers, brothers, yeah. brothers. They've yeah. both One come through Mansfield again. They've got, they've got good DNA of bringing but, players but through. Ivan Tony came through from Newcastle, yeah. so he, he. But but there wasn't there wasn't a pathway for him to get through. So we had to then they've plucked him because he's not a Geordie. You've heard him talk. So again, they've obviously paid some money for him. Well, exactly. Yeah. So so they'll still get players again. The Hoovering talent, aren't they? Literally, so they'll still get players. Of course, they will. Yeah, it's just, it was just, it was just intriguing me because it's honestly, I think it all comes back to your club's DNA and what is it, what is expected of you, of a club. So, me as me as a, as a fan, I am just as proud of any academy player that comes through. It doesn't make a difference to me that it's, I'm I'm proud in a different way. So, Gail Hart playing for Leeds, scoring for Leeds. I'm just as proud that we've gone and got him. He's we've been coached by blah blah. blah. I don't think I'd be any more prouder if it was from Morley. You know, it didn't really make a difference. If they come through our system, I'm 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 proud of them. But then, like you said earlier about buying players, we've just bought an 18 year old from Espanol. Yeah. Okay. So, but I'd, I'd, we could just go around and round and round. No, no, it's just. I suppose the phrase is a great of, chat because I just if, I love it. If if they've come through our system, in my head, I'm going. But they've not come through your system. You bought him. Yeah. But I am very, still very proud. There he is. He's yeah. one of our... Because no. you adopt them. It's tribal, isn't it? No, so no. You've, just, you've, just, you've just named nine players. There's only one that's actually come yeah. through our academy. But if he played for Lincoln and Dan's on the terraces, you'll be sending the lads in the pub. Academy lad. Even, so, oh, yeah. I, exactly. Anyway, no, not, not many people will probably Google research? and go, where, where they're from. No. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're not really... Just pop them, see them pop through. Yeah, Exactly. So I do, I do get that, mm. but ultimately, what is the purpose of the schoolboy program, mm. the under the under nines to under sixteens, if you're not then gonna pick at least a fair chunk of the players up and put them in your your under eighteens? The the issue is, I don't see this country's authorities, i.e., FA or whoever, it, solving it. It'll just get worse if, if you want to call it worse. So, so it'll never then, get resolved. So then you go back to so. Your experience, which has you know, got me on this podcast, yeah, we'll ultimately, move on to aftercare. That's, that's it, next so, on the list. So, so, let's move so on to let's, aftercare. Well, that's exactly yeah. where I was about to go with yeah, it. So let's go it. to aftercare. So, who's hosting the, this bloody podcast? On, <laughs> right, right. It's going to be a regular slot. So, <laughs> so uh, on the aftercare. So, it was really interesting in that podcast listening to you guys at the time wax lyrical about the Crystal Palace thing because it had just come out, I think. And and the Crystal Palace thing is great. So it, it, don't get me wrong, it's good. But it's for 17 to 21-year-olds. It's for people that have gone through what is referred to as their professional development phase. They've been through the system. They've been a pro for about two or three years, and then they've been released. So he wouldn't have accessed that care. He got released at under 16. Lucky to get that far. But <laughs> he, to be fair, we couldn't find another keeper. We tried really hard. We even tried yeah. just bringing a kid in on trial just because he was six foot six. So we were going to turn him into a keeper. Yeah. 
Um, but it was it was worse than you, so we stuck with <laughs> you. But um, he must have been shit. So so the, the aftercare yeah. is 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 really important. So the, the Crystal Palace model is great, and and there are clubs now that have like you know they'll have a, an Excel spreadsheet somewhere, and they'll have an uh, alumni list. And you talked about a box ticking exercise earlier, and that's because somebody from the EEEE will come in, and it's like an Ofsted inspection, and they'll go right, talk to me about aftercare. And then somebody will go, well, we've got blah, blah, blah. And then they'll show them a spreadsheet. And people will be going, oh, that's really good. But what about if you're under 14 and you get released and you've been there for five years? The aftercare doesn't necessarily extend, or, or not even really extend, it's going backwards, isn't it? To an under 14, but actually... It needs to be offered who, to everybody, who, doesn't who, it? Who's, really be- does. who's better equipped to deal with that level of disappointment? A 21, 22-year-old... Or a 13, 14-year-old kid. I don't even think the parents can deal with it either. So, so I, 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 I'm, I'm happy to share. So I, I uh, know somebody really well that got um, let go by the football club in some fashion, um, really talented player. Um, and his parents are still coming to terms with what happened. And, and, and it is, it's everyone, because everyone invests so much. Time, money, the whole shebang. And it is, it's, it's disappointing, you know, the words you, you, you said the well up and, and thinking about the meeting. Yeah. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it is, yeah. But I that, cried for weeks after. Yeah, well, look, I've, I've said sorry. Fucking get over it. <laughs> sorry, right. Stop milking it. We, um, so my experience is, uh, obviously, I, I, was, I was too good for the academy system, born in the wrong country, so never went, never went through it. I had trials. Um, is I, would, I think you'd have been good in Italy. Like, honestly, yeah, honestly. I, I, I mean, I couldn't handle the, the sun, co- but I, the, in terms of the plane <laughs> yeah, style, if you'd have seen me, you'd have thought, <laughs> the only reason at, your, at the that age, the only reason you wanted to be in Italy was the fucking carbonara, man. <laughs> and it just, you know, what a country, what a country, pasta and Perona. Um, was I, I was in hospitality, and uh, one of my jobs was I used to run the, the center of excellence. So on the Tuesday and Thursday, I think it was, we'd have, have a bar for the parents, selling teas and coffees, and I'd, I'd watch some training officer. And then when it came to the release nights, and they'd have their yeah. reviews, so they'd go upstairs into the boxes. Yep. You can probably envision it now. And they'd, they'd do the reviews and stuff. And then there'd be the, the night where they'd let go. And I would chat to the dads after. And honestly, it's like you're taking their house off them. Yep. And it was just like, again, talked earlier about like realizations in football. I was like, this is brutal. Because I've watched these kids and their parents, and I've chatted to the parents and they've got coffees. I've joked them and they've watched their kid. And then it's like, bang, off like a light. Done. Your career's over. Done. And it's like, whoa. Yeah. I mean, you'd have probably been there. How, how long ago? Talking shit at me. How long ago was that? Uh, so I was there in 2006 till about 2009. Who was in charge of the youth then? I can't remember. Tom Spore was there. It must okay. be. It must so have been probably, that. probably around. So but yeah. I'd have still been there at that yeah. point in time. Um, and were you, were you still, are you gone by then? Uh, 2006-ish onwards. Who'd you gone by then? No, I was still there then. Oh, yeah. I, I, I remember quite vividly, though, for, for me, we had, can you remember Gianluca, who we brought in from Mansfield, Nottingham Way, as another keeper? Yeah. Um, he got released before me, and I was the only, ke- so I was the only keeper for, like, our age group for the last six months, because apparently we was waiting for me to grow. <laughs> Three, three inches in about a month. I am absolutely adamant to this day that I, if the decision was already made on me when they let Gianluca go, 
but they still needed a keeper to fulfil the rest of the fixtures. It, it, it looks brutal. And, yeah. and I think I put in like one one of my posts recently. Um, Excellent Facebook post. Yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, I think it had been stewing for a while, but um, you always kind of get leading cast members. So this is the analogy that, that pretty much is used. You're not going to get 16 players in a squad that have the potential to either be a scholar or be a pro. But you need 16 players in a squad to turn out a team and to run training sessions of value. So you need a squad. So you have leading cast members, just like a West End play, and you've got your supporting cast members. And Carl pulling the curtain. And and (laughs) literally. So so you've you've got you've got that. And you can't you can't run can't a team. Hide from that, the thing is, you no, can't. No, you can't. can't so, hide from that. That's just a fact. So, but but that—that's where I think the honesty needs to come from. Definitely. Because for me, so I think I and we at the time. So we tried to create a culture of being really honest uh, when I was involved with the football club. Um, and I think that at the time you was probably released. I, I would have been quite young myself, actually, ish. And um, so. I can't remember your release. I, I, I genuinely can't, but I, I totally know that I've been involved in a lot of conversations like that. Yeah. I've had parents want to launch me before, like literally across the table. Um, and it's horrible. No, you don't that, know what you're talking about. That, it, that was probably before the decision came out. It's, it's literally, it's literally <laughs> horrible. Yeah. yeah, what about when that conversation's actually had? <laughs> Another joke about yeah. someone else's mum. <laughs> Look, you keep bringing your mum into this. <laughs> Honestly, but, can, you imagine, can you imagine you having the conversations you had with me now, like in this day and age? No, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But, but they, they, did you grade them? Like there's anything like, under, I don't want that to sound like there's underwater. <laughs> Just a lot of mum jokes and stuff like that, which probably 10, 15 did years ago. Did you grade them as they went along? So was there, I remember, I just my brain remembers sort of reviews and stuff. So would the, would the parents as it was going along, no, they were sort of underperforming or if you said about yes. transparency, they would know that. Yeah. So, so we, looking we, good. we got to that point. Right. Now, I, I don't know if we were at that point when you was there and, and I, I would wholeheartedly apologise if, if you went into that meeting not really knowing what was coming, that's wrong. You should, pretty much before you go into that meeting, you should know what's about to happen. And, and there will always be, there will always be some people that, whether it's delusion or whether it's the parents or whatever. So there will always be some people that that refuse to believe. But ultimately, we always used to, to kind of do a thing where we'd go, we used to draw a little symbol and it was like three interlocking um, circles, basically. And we'd go, look, pretty much you've got the majority of the group that are just doing okay. They're kind of where you'd expect them to be. And that's that's middle circle. And then you'd go, you've then got a group of people that are hanging on by their fingertips in this group. They are struggling. And then you get a few people that are striving. Um, and what you'd end up with is we used to draw that and we'd go, if we're being honest, your boy at this point in time is here. And we'd put a mark on, on one of these circles. And if it was in the bottom circle, that was the message that, but we've got six months. These are the things he needs to work on. We're going to put some sessions on. We're going to try and help him as much as possible to get to where he needs to be. And safe ground is in that middle circle. So we would have that conversation and we'd have a really honest conversation around that. But some people then think their boy's doing better than what they have done in some of the sessions or the games. Um, But 
And then the ones that are doing really well, they're the ones that you're trying to challenge by playing up an age group. And, and you know, they, they will know they're doing well. But the problems come from when, and, and I'd like to think this doesn't still happen. And certainly we got away from it by the time I sort of left, is the age group above going, well, my right back's got injured, I need a right back. And I would go, well, my right back's down in the bottom circle like he's rubbish, can't take him. Well, no, we need a right back. We've got away from that. You would go, well, the ones that need a challenge is X and Y, and then we would fit them in somehow. We wouldn't wouldn't just send people because that gives that gives bad messages. Playing somebody up an age group gives the impression that they're doing really well. And so we've got away I from that. I was just going to say, because in, in my brain now, as I say, watching the 23s, there's so many 17, 18-year-olds in there now. There's one 16-year-old, Archie yeah. Gray. He's playing up to that level now. I mean, he has to be some... He's not, he's not box ticket. He's, he must be... I mean, he is. I've seen him live. He's, he's a brilliant talent. So you look at the ones that are 23 or, 20, or maybe 21, you think, no, they, they, they shouldn't still be here. They should I, either be in I the first team. Playing, I was playing up a level. You were going up a level. Yeah, towards the end of under-15s. I think that was purely... Down a level stuff, so you've got your ups and down the wrong way around. <laughs> you, you was playing... So people that, were phys- people that had talent, but maybe physically weren't quite able, yeah. you would play down. Because when someone to visit, stood on the kit box. Yeah, their chronological <laughs> age and their maturation age didn't quite match up, so we'd, we'd try and put them somewhere where they could, you know, compete. But knowing you like we do now... Had you known that Gianluca was being released and you were just literally that stopgap and filling in, had you been privy to that information before, I know you would have definitely told him to fuck off. <laughs> and actually, you wouldn't have wasted any time. But obviously, to be at fair, that age, do, do you think if you did know, that would have helped or not? Uh, you're right, absolutely right. I'd have been gone still. But we kept him on because his mum was decent. <laughs> <laughs> to Here this day, go. to this day, his yeah. mum is the only person that has given well, me a, this. That has given Give me, me what? <laughs> wait, 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 that has given, given me. Do you want to Craig David on? Uh, oh, this is an awful gap. <laughs> this is awkward. Comedy pause. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the moment. Right. Got a bit of movement. So, um, <laughs> year two at college, final parents' day. Final parents' evening. Uh, she's the only, only parent that's ever given me a kiss uh, at the very final parents' evening because I think she thought that's it. So we... when, when for sticking when, with him. When Stubbs, well, yeah, literally, when, when Stubbsy was released, and I do remember this bit because it, it's not dissimilar from lots of the, the kids. They, they are... I think they just feel lost, actually, I think is a word I'd used. I think they genuinely are... I've spent so long thinking that this is the the path and the trajectory that I'm on, and then it's taken away from them, um, that they're just a bit lost. And so that's where I think JP and me at the time yeah. w- would have been really helpful in trying to get them back onto a path and get them back onto something. And I think your mum was just actually really grateful that we managed to get you back on track. Because I think... I'd like to think you would say you had a great time with the two years at college. Absolutely, and- yeah. And it, irrespective of whether you work in the sports industry now or not, actually them two years helped you get your mojo back. Oh, without a shadow of a doubt. Like, to be fair, I'd never enjoyed football so much as when, because I hated football for a bit when I was there. I weren't that asked about playing at all. And it got me back in it. But we had like the likes of Keith coming down and stuff like that. And he was just brilliant. Like 
I literally didn't give a shit, and I was so cocky for somebody that. Shocker. Yeah, that might surprise, so surprise you. Lads. Where does that come Honestly, from? I, I, we don't see that. <laughs> oh, no, no. I remember. I remember one training session with like I made Luke Boyce cry because he literally couldn't score past me, and like in the shoot, he tried session. shooting really high into the goal. <laughs> Uh, Luke, 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 Luke Boyce was really shit, by the way. We yeah. should clarify by the <laughs> way. He, 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 yeah. he got an England cap, didn't he? How'd he, well, well, he didn't get an England cap. You're big England schoolboy. Right, okay, England. yeah. That's not an England cap. Yeah, that thing, that be my first line of the <laughs> England cap. Well, but the, 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 the issue that I keep going back to, and we'll touch on the college thing in a minute, because I know loads of lads have gone through that system. It was a brilliant system. But the what do you say to a parent or a kid who's... I don't think there's... talk about aftercare. Realistically, what can you do? The dreams are shattered, whatever you do. So what can... And they're saying that they're a certain age. Yep. Genuinely, what can you do? Because the dad will go and find another club if he, if he thinks you're wrong. Yep. He'll try and get him in somewhere or get him in non-league, whatever he wants to do. Or the kid will just get disillusioned and go off and do something else. So what what can you do? I don't know what... I think when they talk about aftercare, and particularly in terms of things like the Triple P and that, it is about trying to put the player in a different club. You know, and... and the higher up the food chain you are, you'll try and put people at a professional club. But when you're, you know, and that that's partly when I realised I'm never going to be a footballer. I got released from Lincoln, who were very nearly down the bottom of what would have been League 3 probably at the time. Um, so there is nowhere to go. So, so you know your dreams At least you were a that. realist. Oh, without a shadow <laughs> yeah. of a doubt. Without a shadow of a doubt. I knew by the time my two years were up, I, A, I wasn't good enough to be a pro. That's the first thing. I, I, I am a realist. I know I wasn't good enough to be a pro. I'm a much better coach than I ever was player um, or teacher. Yeah. What was your chance? That, that was his chance. He literally yeah. just opened I've the like, door for you. Yeah. Teed it up for him and everything. Um, the easy but, ones are boring, aren't they? <laughs> but shite, touchy-feely, mum shagger. That's what you should have gone with. <laughs> By the way, just on that, Tuesday and Thursday nights, I was only a young lad, MILF Central. Unreal. Talent, talk about talent pool. Well, and, and that's the other reason that some of them stayed in the system. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're going to have to let you go. Why? It's a, it's a, real, it's a real shame. Your mum's not turned up in white jeans. <laughs> it's incredibly, uh, it's a massive shame that I was really fat and ginger. So even, even, I couldn't take advantage of the, the MILF talent pool, but life, innit? It's just life. It is. You'd have been better in Italy. Tell me about it. <laughs> big big mamas over there, aren't they? Feeders. I think they'd, feeders. They'd, they'd have loved you. Feeders. Antipasta, onto the pasta, then onto the meat dish, pizza for afters, and ice cream. Feeders. Absolute feeders. But, but, so going back to your question about aftercare, what, what can you do? Really, There is no way of sugarcoating a decision like that. And ultimately... To a certain extent, it's almost like the player needs to go and grieve. They, they, they need they need support to go through that, that process. Period, and and that I think is so, you know, yes, you can try and put somebody in a football club, but, but realistically, is that enough? What's it do? Now, the benefit that we had at the time at the college was A, you were surrounded by people that understood. So you had me and JP. Yeah. You also had a few other people that had been through basically a similar system. You, you've also got, so we've got student services, if you like. So we've got a massive kind of wraparound care of a department. Now, that's in, what I'm looking for, really. That, it, that, that's it, the, the answer, I think. In my, in my say, 20-odd years of working at the college, I've probably 
four or five occasions I've probably had a one-to-one with a student and and they have literally, you know, disclosed things like having suicidal thoughts. Now, that's not something that I'm necessarily qualified to deal with. So I ring my student services team who are qualified in counselling and, and professionals to deal with it. And bang, that support's there. Now, that isn't available and it's not made available. You know, somebody gets released from a football club and... I think people are seen to be doing the right things. But six months down the line, has anybody rung somebody up and gone, right, it's just, I just wanted to check in. How are you doing? Mm. Are you all right? Now, I don't think that happens still. I'd be amazed if, no, if a kid is released to under 10s or 11s and six months later, somebody's ringing them up and going, we just wanted to touch base and see how you are. We just wanted to make sure that you're all right. I think that like the, the phrase aftercare is so open as well. Like that aftercare isn't just like... What are you going to do from when they get released here? Like you should, I I think a lot more. Like to be fair, I not that I've used my sport in whatever I ended up with uh, when I left college, diploma or whatever it was. But that direction of just the fact that I was going to do that course and I was going to play football still three times a week and whatever gave me that direction of somewhere to go, gave me something to think about, gave me something to work towards. Now, I don't think there's necessarily something. I might be wrong with this, but some of the players that get released from them big clubs that aren't going to go anywhere, are they getting pushed down the avenue of getting like a qualification in something? Are they, is that get like, I was lucky that obviously JP and Andy were both at the college. There was some, there was almost like a direct line for me to go. Like it was a natural thing for me to do. I was already comfortable with like in and around you two because you were my coaches for two years, but for somebody else. stepped up for a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really hope not. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think that that is all. That isn't going to be there at them bigger clubs and all the way through the system. I mean, I, I can imagine that it's that's, a farm, Carl. Let's be honest. Exactly. This is what, what I mean. Yeah, but right. That should be there. Like, what, there's no wonder that these players struggle because what all is they've got in their mind. And I was, I was this. I'm going to be a footballer, so it doesn't really matter what I do at school. Don't get me wrong, I did all right at school, so it doesn't really matter. It may come as a massive surprise to some. But I actually did all right at Missed school. English classes. But... So, to be fair, it was all right as a student. Yeah. It, it was mm. all right. <laughs> Don't sound so surprised. I seem to recall the YTS lads when I was there doing referees courses and But this is still courses. football. That's not. I like, know it is. I know it is, but you've why got to not keep these give them interested. a trade and stuff like that. No, I agree like with that. that. I agree, agree. Give them something like to fall back on. Like, just football, 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 football is is brilliant for that 0.05% or whatever that we spoke about earlier that make it. There's that 99.95% that aren't going to make it that have absolutely no idea where they're going at 16 years old. They have to do some things. Whatever you do, you're going to pitch. You can't make them all do brickwork. I mean, whatever you do, you're pigeonholing them. So in terms of like the the EPPP mentioned earlier, so, so as part of that now, you have to have like an education officer. As, yeah. as part of the role. So, so you know, part of their job will be liaising with schools and, and things like that. So there are there have been progressions made, but it's whether it's enough and whether it goes far enough. And I just I'm not sure whether it's just another box ticking exercise so that when Ofsted come in and, and you evidence a few things and you open your spreadsheet up, or whether it's really genuinely good information advice and guidance on people's next steps so one of the one of the big things that's cropped up probably more in the last five years maybe is 
as where these types of football academies were solely done with college, so the sort of thing you did would have been with the college. Yeah. And you'd have come along and we'd have put you on what we think is the best course for you. Uh, and if you could do the football academy, brilliant. If you wanted to do a trade and it didn't have the football academy, no problem. You're doing the right thing for you. But there's now quite a lot of these things called shadow academies. So football clubs now are running shadow academies, which are designed to give talented footballers a final last opportunity at trying to make it. And it's almost like, so, so you've gone through the heartache of under 16 of being released. Yeah. And the first thing you'll get offered is the, the shadow to do academy. It all over again. So you're saying there's a chance. Okay, <laughs> that's no. what it is, isn't it? Like, it's, but it, but that's that. It's the football factory. That's what it is. It, 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 it like turns it Cheltenham last week. Yeah, it, it, it <laughs> we'll turns get it back, them through. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, when the fun stops, <laughs> yeah, chase. yeah, yeah. <laughs> lump on. As, as well, I, I'm absolutely adamant when, when we would have recruited you. You know, it was education first. You, know, you, you your football journey has come to an end. Now, you'll always get a cluey. So you'll get an outlier. You'll get one that is the one in a million. It goes against the... Yeah, you, you, you'll, the you'll get somebody that's an anomaly. And they're not the rule, them lads, are they? They're, they're no. always the example no, no, everyone no. gives, but they're not the rule. It's the like, like they're Vardy. The no. thing that's funny is, for me, like, I don't, you may disagree with me here, I don't think he's the best player at college in, our, in and around our side when we were there. So we, we've, got, we've got a room at college... Um, and Sam donated some shirts and pictures. So we've got we've got a picture of Cluey as a year one BTEC student, tiny. Yeah. And I think he was playing for like the, the second team almost at the time. Um and I think to be fair, he was always a first team player, but I think he just loved playing football. So they didn't yeah, have a game, so he, he played for the second team in this game. And and he looks tiny still in this picture, like a little kid. And in between year one and year two, he just went through a massive growth spurt and his game came on. It did. No yeah, end. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and he is a very, very good player. He, even now, watching playing, he's a decent player, Cluey. Really good player. Great lad still. Um, but the, the pictures, they're like chalk and cheese. We've got one picture of him as a 17-year-old kid. And the next picture is up against um, Ibrahimovic playing against <laughs> Man United. Um, and then we've got his shirt in the middle. Yeah. Um, so it, it's not about trying to shatter dreams. It's about trying to manage expectations. Ultimately, so if you've got people that genuinely have a chance, you want to support them, but ultimately you need to be honest with people and manage your expectations. So when you was released, you you gave it your best shot at being a footballer. Nobody could ever argue that you didn't commit wholeheartedly to that journey. But literally, you just was three inches too short. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, go, so go, and, go and stack beer barrels. So, yeah. so, so literally, but literally, it, you was lost. And so it was always a case of it's education first and we, we put you on that and, and it's a, oh, and by the way, you can do this alongside, which is the nice bit. You know, you've enjoyed doing that. You, you want to carry on having a, kicking a bit of lever around, trying to kick it between two sticks. So that's what you did. But it was always the education first. But sometimes you can find with these, these programs that actually they're still trying to sell a dream. Yeah. But the way it's built in this country and in other countries, not just this country, is it's built from something that wasn't designed to be like this. So the American model in terms of going through the education system and the, the, the sport is attached to that. So the, the education system is the way through. You've got yep. no choice. You have to get your degree. We had a few good lads that 
went out there, didn't we, from college? Jamie yeah. Waters was a lad that got released from Lincoln and came to college with me, and he's now in America still, isn't he, doing his futsal? And... He's back now. Oh, is he back? Yeah, he's back. It's Gag Vegas, I think. Living it up. Well, yeah. Mike, who was on this podcast, got released by Scunny. He was on that exact podcast. He went over to America to coach, loved it at the time of his life. A good lad from the village I grew up in, a guy called Richard Meldrum, went over there, did Archie? trials. Is, that, is it Archie? Archie Masson, did he go out there as well? Archie's still out there, yeah. It was loads going out for trials. Richard Meldrum, is he a ginger kid? Yep. Uh, he we're was with us or... We were in the same school team. Set in the field. anywhere for, for, for... Remember him? Yeah, and a great lad. And he, uh, he went out to America. But he was, strangely, not book smart, but just smart in terms of football. He got there, landed. He looked at the flip chart that had all the kids that were on this American trial. And they were all centre midfielders. And he looked and there was no right backs. Went, oh, I'll be a right back then. And got a, did a three-year... Good lad. Degree over there, yeah. and whatever happened, but, but but it is so. It's all about your grade point average. Your grade point average yeah. dips below where it needs to be. Boom, your football's pulled, or your volleyball, or your basketball, whatever it is, whatever the scholarship is you've gone for. If your academic side starts slipping and you're not doing what you're meant to be doing, you don't get to do the nice bit. Whereas in this country, if you read a newspaper, you're called uh, smart in the yeah. changing room because it's a different environment. Yeah. But the, but they had a chance in America to create it from fresh. And then the, um, obviously NFL, because why I enjoyed, the college stuff came first. They tagged NFL on well later. College was all the way going up for years, 20 odd years, 30, 50 years, whatever it was, before they even got to professional sport. It was a college sport. Yep. So it, it was all the way through. Whereas ours is the other way around, isn't it? Education yep. was, well, we need a footballer first. And it's, obviously it is improving clearly. And there's great college courses. But it's just, if you were to build it again now, you wouldn't be like this, would you? No, not at all. But then, the, the, then I suppose there won't be this many professional football clubs either, would there? To be fair. There's too many broken young people because yeah. of the system. And it's hard to justify for the for the tiny percentage that get through and live that life. It's hard to justify the impact that is felt on the masses. So it's only now that I'm out of the system and I'm I'm working down at Link United. So I'm working with a kid that I released as probably an under nine. It came to us and we, at the time, were... So they were one-year contracts, but we we tried to be better than other people. So we we gave him a two-year commitment was the wording of it. We want to give you two years. We appreciated that it took time to come into that system, to get used to the system and, and to kind of flourish. Now, this kid came in and really struggled in this system. And we released him pretty much forced the conversation probably in a way that, that it ended up being a release. Um, and he went back to his club. Now, I don't think I'd ever really thought about that kid until I took Lincoln United's under-16s and he's now there. Now, talking to some of the parents that were his manager at under-10s and under-11s, they talk to me now about the impact that had on him and how long it took for him to get back to playing and enjoying the game and, you know, the times they had to listen to him crying and whatever. Now, I dealt with him on a Tuesday night and I went home. And then I felt bad for maybe a couple of days and then I got over it. But the impact on that person, massive. In fairness, you've got a job to do. So it... That and that's the environment. You're still, still, still a human. Though, but... yeah. I know you are, but from Tony's point, he, he has to move on. Yeah, he is. Yeah. You got to prepare the next set. It's horrific, and, and and obviously you clearly feel it. And it's like, well, 
What are you supposed to do about that? I, 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 I don't understand what you supposed to do. And it's tough. Exactly. And that's where... There's always going to be failure, The aftercare. So, so when does the aftercare start? Just back to the Crystal Palace thing. Absolutely brilliant. 17 to 21s or whatever it is, they get the care. But... It has to start when the disappointment starts. But you touched on it earlier. Even just to have a plan to have quarterly check-ins for 12 months, just to ring the parent, ring the kid, how's he doing, blah, blah, blah. Even that would be a step in the right direction, wouldn't it? I think well, it shows you care. Irrespective yeah. of what's happened or whether whether the decision was right, wrong, whether I'm a twat, whether whatever, it still shows that you care and you've got a human side to you. I would just put it in. I just I think it's such a simple thing to do. How are you doing? Is he getting on? Have you heard about this college course? Blah, blah, blah. There's ways you can help develop each kid, especially when you're linked to the college. You can say, well... What, what is he doing? Because I, I always remember talking to him and he was really into X, Y, blah, blah, blah. Has he thought about doing this? That, that, because not just in football, but you've got aftercare when kids go through school. Yeah. And it's the same. Either you're going on to further education or you're doing an apprenticeship. Yeah. No one told me I could do an apprenticeship in hospitality. So, so it's, it's in all walks of life. It's not just football. We're really bad at it in this country <laughs> in putting people into the next step. And, and it's I, getting worse, I think. But I completely agree. Mm. But in the last three days, I've had two messages from people who've got basically 15, 16-year-old sons and, and they go in, they have no idea what they want to do. They're, they've never been at a football club. They've not been released or anything. They're just 16-year-olds at school and the careers advice they're getting from school just isn't really particularly that useful for them. Is it like stay at sixth form or go to college? That's, 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 that's but, what happened to me. But, but literally, the, the message is, and, and it's, it really is going off on a tangent, the... the the message literally is stay at sixth form. And partly the, the reason a lot of that will be is because Bonded. if they stay at sixth form, you get the money for them. But they have to now as well, don't they? You have to stay in education. So, that, you, so you, you, have have to, you have to stay in education till 18. Yeah. But so the, 16 when we were kids. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the schools have got access to them, but the schools now want to keep people. So when you was probably released, um, certainly I know when I did my BTEC years ago, BTECs were only done in a college. Six forms were A-levels. They weren't interested in anything vocational. Even 15 years ago, 10 years ago, BTECs were pretty much done at college. Now, every school six form does a BTEC in sports. Why? Because they'll keep X amount of students, and X amount of student is worth that much money. This is, from, me, from that little bit just here, this is the big... Football isn't the only problem. Like nope. This is now schools doing the same thing, like... The government are always racking on about mental health and bloody bloody blah. Which are no, we talking politics? Massive. Oof, this, you know, really, this really is going off. Yeah, <laughs> this is out of my door. <laughs> <laughs> like any <end> point. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, they're, they're more than happy to play this mental health card. But realistically, they're giving um, schools and stuff funding to make the wrong decision for to push a kid down what wrong could path. be the wrong path for that individual child. Which, the same with the football, like, there's, you're pushing them up a, a path of, you're going to make it as a footballer, which you then don't do, so you drop back into your school, and then your school are then going to push you in a path of, you're going to come to sixth form, because you need to stay in education, which, like, for me personally, I'm just not, like, the college thing was great, but I was never ever going to go to university, because I'm just not that academic. Like I, like, I was exactly the same, Carl. It's but, I grew up in a, in the new Labour thing, which education, education, education. And there were seven of us that went to sixth form. I went to a really shit school. And it was the most I'd ever had. It was all over the papers. Cotland's, uh, the school I went to, I've managed to get seven people, higher education. Five of us dropped out. 
Ruskins. Yeah, Ruskinson, yeah. yeah. But five of us dropped out two minutes through. We had, five of us, all my mates, we had no business being there whatsoever. One's a window cleaner. One works at a, a factory. I sell beer for a living. We've got, none of us got an education. We had no business being there. But nobody told me in that room, because I just assumed apprenticeships were plumbing and bricking, all that sort of stuff. I had no interest in to come up that, that way inclined either. No one told me. I went to the connections, which I don't think exists anymore. Yeah. It was a big board and it said, we can be a lifeguard and fitness instructor, don't lie. And that you can do that. And, you, and they'll, they'll pay at you the ace per day, week and at, you'll get, a, you'll at get education. At the end of the day, you, you walk your own path. You do. It's, yeah. You do, but you, you need help. You do. You, you need, need that guidance at the beginning. And I always think about, think back to what I had then. And I'm just thinking like, I wish I was so much better informed than I was. I never went to uni either. No. But again, like we've, we've all done all right. Like it's, you know, you, you just depends where you... No. I'm neither a footballer or a porn star, Dan. How can you say my life's <laughs> success? I have I've not made either Mate, of my... The beer industry is pretty special. <laughs> it is. It's pretty sexy. Right, well, I think that pretty much does it, I think. We yeah. might do another one of these because it was... Um, that's brilliant. There's okay. loads of my notes we haven't even done anything with. So, um, about playing <laughs> styles and, and different and, of your coach. So, we will do a part two, I think. Well, I think we've actually got two parts there, to be honest. Probably. <laughs> How yeah. long no, have we been going for? Hour and a half. Hour and a half. So let's uh, let's Have close you got this. Anything uh, that you want to add to this part? No, I'm late to meet your mum, mate. So can we just? <laughs> <crack> on? <laughs> and on that, on that note. wonderful bombshell, <laughs> let's close this episode. So you have been listening to Whatever Floats Your Goat, uh, Gone Off on a Tangent Special, uh, Academy Special with uh, Andy. Thank you for coming, Andy. Really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Thank you, mate. Uh, with me, Adam Starks, him, Carl Stubbs. No. Too short to be a goalie. Him, Dan Taylor. Cheerio. Too ugly to be a footballer. <laughs> we shall <laughs> see you next John time. Arson. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Go check out our podcast. Uh, speak soon. Thank you, bye.